0: The devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him and then another seven trying to keep him locked up because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil.
1: From my portable cauldron has spilled onto my lap. Where did you learn to drive, Romeo? Anyway, welcome to the final week of the Radcast Five Weeks of Fright. I am Count Yuli. That's guest of honor, Count Yuli, to you. Yes, thank you, Romeo. This is a very special moment, my friends, because myself and my cousin Romeo are currently on our way to the closing ceremonies of the Kuhunks Jamboree, where I Count Julie will be celebrated as the guest of honor. That's right. Well-deserved honor at that. Yuli, all manner cool hunk creatures and hot babe features will get to see you on that stage. The applause and the laughter will be enough to make you want to come back next year. Thank you, Romeo. That is very kind of you. But laughter? I'm not sure there will be too many opportunities for laughter. Right? Oh, Yuli, I just meant your natural disposition. This whole month, you've been cracking me up with all your outrage and exasperation. It's been hilarious stuff. Always the entertainer. Oh, yes. Well, that was all very real and not an act. See, you have been extremely... You know what? None of that matters now. You have extended the olive branch and afforded me the opportunity to be honored at your strange oily affair, and that has more than made up for the previous four weeks. That's the spirit. Well, here we are, Cushing Convention Center. Are you nervous, cuz? I would be lying if I said I wasn't. I don't go out very often, especially not under these circumstances. But I am ready. All right, let's go. posterior lovers came to see me? Oh yeah. I've really been talking you up. Your appearance is all any of these dudes can talk about. Well, considering so far I've only heard these people talk about the bottoms and how to shake them, I'm not sure how I feel about that. Arrow. Oh, this must be the G-O-H. Hey, there's my favorite mummy. Sure is. My cousin, the distinguished Count Yule. Julie, this is the Jamboree Coordinator, Glovis Monroe. Yes, hello, Mr. Glovis. Thank you for opening up your event to a humble vampire like myself. This means a lot... The honor is all mine, Julie. Any friend of Romeo is a friend of mine. Hey, if you need any tissue for your tears up there, I got all the tissue you need. Um, okay, but I don't think that I will... Because I'm a monkey. Yes, I'm picking up on what you are- I'm covered in the stuff! Okay, Glovis, that will be all. Thank you. You know, boys and ghouls, that mummy is a real dummy. Okay, I'm gonna go up there and introduce Roman. My man will introduce you. Sound kosher, babe? Sounds kosher, babe! Alright! Cool hunks and hot women, sassy lassies and dudes with attitudes. I just want to thank all you fine beefcakes for making this year's inaugural jamboree the best yet. I know myself and my excellent team of cool creatures are really looking forward to next year. And now, the moment you've all been waiting for the crowning of our guest of honor. I'd like to call Count Romeo to come up here to introduce the man in the app. Thank you, thank you. Thank you all for the warm welcome. Insert vampire-related joke here. <laughs> I, I don't... I don't get it. I'm not one for speeches. Okay, I really don't get what is funny. Being a part of this event has been the highest honor, and it brings me joy to know I've enriched all of your lives in my time here. But without further ado, the man we honor tonight, I can say, without a doubt, he is someone whose life has been made better by knowing me. Someone who would be the first to tell you how much of a pleasure it is to be in my presence. I'm just kidding. This isn't entirely about me. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest of honor. My cousin Yuli. Thank you all. Not enough time for you to talk, little cuz. We want to present you with your gift. A gift? Okay. Why don't you take a seat on that throne over there and put on that crown? I will do that. This crown is a little tight. Ooh, very tingly, too. Ow, that actually kind of hurts. You're okay, Yuli. Okay, that is easy for you to say. What is that screen? Is there going to be, ow, a clip show or something? Do you have like a clip, uh, bloopers or football follies we are going to laugh at? Something like that. Ah! Some entertainment. What the? Romeo, you have some serious explaining. Hey, hey, what is on that screen? Is that, is that me as a child? Oh, yeah. I wanted to present to everyone one of your shining moments. Wait, wait, I know what this is. My cape, my underwear, and my new slacks.
2: Oh, you, you truly are a big baby.
1: You only brought me here to make a fool out of me? All you wanted to do was embarrass me in front of your meathead cronies? You are nothing but a bully! Aw, uh, what's wrong, Yuli? You're gonna cry? You! You! Hey, Yuli. Wanna tissue? <laughs> 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 I'm gonna kick your freaking ass! I got him, Rome. Now you can start wailing on him. My pleasure.
2: Oh, my what was that? I said, unhang him.
1: What? What? Boris! Boris! You're here! How
2: did- What happened? Where have you been?
1: You two know each other?
2: I am Count Boris. I sit at the Council of Otherworld. And yes, I am friend of you, High
1: Council? Huh? Yeah. High Council? (laughs) Maybe you can get me out of some parking tickets. I'm Yuli's older cousin, Count...
2: Count Romeo.
1: Yeah. Word must get around. Even the High Council knows who I am.
2: That is precisely why I am here. Count Romeo, you are in violation of the Limley Pact 1931, which clearly states... Any sinister, negative, or selfish depiction of a vampire or the undead should be strictly fictional. Any vampire alive at the time of pact is to either live a pious life of anonymity or use their powers for the good of others. You, Count Romeo, have done neither.
1: Okay, so let me get something straight. I think over the past two years, it's been well established that I am not a very good vampire. Okay, I know this, I accept it. I remember signing this, but how come I was never told the two choices there? I got something in the mail that said sign, and then it disappeared.
2: Yuli, your choice has already been made for you.
1: Oh, okay, I see. Is it because of my crippling social anxiety? Yes. Got it. Whoa now, Chief. I don't remember signing anything, so I can't be held to-
2: Right here. 5123rd line down. Count Romeo. It looks like a child wrote it.
1: (laughs) Oh boy, sounds like you are Mr. Cool on everything except penmanship, eh cuz?
2: Count Romeo, the High Council is well aware of the darker forces you have used to hide your locations over the past few centuries. However, you couldn't elude the Council forever. Under the guise of a festival, we use your ego to trap you. Wait,
1: the Kuhunk's cool Jamboree isn't real?
2: No. A ruse created by the High Council in order to capture and charge you for violating our sacred pact. Hey! You fooled me too!
1: Psst, Boris. So I have a concern. A few concerns. Will the High Council compensate me somehow? He caused a lot of damage to my castle preparing for this fake event.
2: In due time, you be. And now, Count Romeo, for your judgment. You are hereby sentenced to live and die as a mortal. You are also to live a plain human existence as... Yuli, I will let you choose.
1: Make him the biggest geek in the world! Doy, this is miserable. My pants are riding up into my butt crack. And the movement of my leg caused some residual urine in my pee pee to drip into my underwear. Oh, 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 oh. oh, Boris, this is very funny. Turn him into a chicken. Hey, what? No.
2: You know he is only going to be a chicken for an hour, right?
1: Yeah, but this is funny to me now.
2: Both of you vanish.
1: Ah. Uh. We make a good team. It's good to have the band back together, if only for a moment. It is very good to see you, my friend.
2: It is good for me to see you too, Count Green. I have missed your good nature.
1: So why didn't you ever mention you are on the Other World High Council?
2: I needed to stay unassuming during my stay with you last year. I didn't want you putting on a facade just to impress a chair member. You see, every century, the High Council sends one of the chair to stay with a civilian vampire. This is so the High Council can stay abreast of the daily events in the lives of the vampire majority, and whether or not they are upholding sacred rules.
1: And I was the vampire they picked? Correct. Who got fired for that one?
2: Oh, you lead. I had a wonderful time participating in our adventures last year.
1: Well, either way, I just want to say once again, I missed you, my friend. It's good to know you were safe. Boys and ghouls, never take for granted the wonderful people in your life. Sometimes you don't see them for a while, and it can make you sad. But it just makes it that much more special when you see them again.
2: Yes, Julie, I agree. We shared some good laughs and you were my first true friend in a long while. Sometimes it is hard to connect with people on the council. They can be cold and callous. They don't really joke. There was one council member.
1: Put a cork in it, Boris. Very well. Mm-mm. This week is the fifth and final week of this year's five weeks of fright. Imagine a crisp fall twilight. The sounds of children trick-or-treating, and the orange and yellow leaves crunching under your feet. All of this would be a wonderful picturesque moment if you didn't have a looming feeling that someone was watching you. This is a tale of a virtuous heroine, a brave set of sisters, and a masked psycho wielding a plethora of weapons. This episode is all about a Halloween double feature of Halloween and Halloween 4, the return of Michael Myers. Whatever peaks and valleys this month had, I could always count on you listeners. I am Count Julie. That is Count Boris. Happy Halloween! And, Boris, would you do the honors?
2: It would be my privilege. The Radcast would be right. What's the boogeyman?
0: As a matter of fact. The
1: Radcast. It was. So if you it's Friday, if you're listening to this, mm, so, hello, as opposed to TGIF. Um, yes, uh, TGIF. I miss TGIF. Me too. Um, I wish I could be hanging with Mr. Cooper right now. I wish I could be hanging with the Winslows, the Winslows, or, and the Tanners, or uh, or the Code Man from Step by Step. Just him. Just him. Yeah. Sasha Mitchell. Um, there's, a, uh, there's a Sasha in one of the Sasha movies. Sasha Jensen is one of the movies we're about. talking about. I didn't yeah. even plan that. Nope. Um But welcome back into the Radcast. Sasha's a girl's name. Yeah, that's true, but, you know, it can also be a guy's name. mm mm-hmm. uh, Welcome, on that note, welcome back into the Radcast, everybody. I'm Steven. I'm Matt. That's Matt. Um, it's good to see everything turn out okay for our friend Count yeah. Yuley. it was good to see... Well, I guess for you guys, it's good to hear Count Boris again. Yes, yeah. I miss that old curmudgeon. Yeah, but you know, Count Curmudgeon—they should have called him. He—he's got a good heart, and he came back for good to mm. be with our pal Yuli. Yeah, um, we can't wait to see Yuli again next year. Um, and that com- that brings me to saying, you know, this is the last week of five weeks of fright. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 that bummer you get from an early age when you realize like Halloween is it's coming to a close. Yeah, like tomorrow is Halloween, mm-hmm. but. Once you get into the twilight of the day, you're like, oh, this is over tomorrow. Yeah. November first comes around and sure it's cool, like candy's marked down yeah. and whatever you Thanksgiving know. is great. Thanksgiving's great. I love Christmas. But it's just there's something special about kicking off that holiday season yeah. with something so like so spooky, but also so fun. Yeah. Like, with Halloween. I will say Thanksgiving doesn't get its due in terms of fall imagery like yeah it's not spooky but it's Mm. still like still straight up colored leaves in the fall and stuff like that i'm excited we're actually gonna be having like a thanksgiving type episode yeah this year we're gonna be talking about dutch uh the under underrated uh, underrated comedy classic such a great holiday movie great thanksgiving movie of the small number of them that there are yeah and uh we're gonna be having a returning special guest she Mm. knows who she is and Maybe another Maybe returning another guest. Maybe another one. We haven't Maybe. asked them I don't yet. Know. Yeah. If, if she's okay with sharing the episode, probably gonna get a text. Be like, hey, what's the big idea? It's our mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's our mom as the guest. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, that's then. This is now. We are talking or Halloween I'm a little because this whole time we've been building up as, oh, we're going to rank the Halloween movies yeah. of the first 20 years that like, we did that with Friday the 13th last year, mm-hmm. but then we were like, why don't we just narrow the focus? Yeah. Two of the more prominent entries in the series, I guess minus the second one, but you two know. Two of our favorite. Two of our favorites. We're talking the first one, of course. The original. The original, the absolute classic. Yeah. Um, that started so many tropes whether you laugh at them or whether you hold them in high regard the tropes of a lot of horror movies it like slashers the slasher genre yeah exactly it wasn't the first but it definitely right kickstarted yeah. it mm-hmm. but definitely with the prominence and then halloween 4 return of michael myers um there's a whole lot of red tape involving behind mm-hmm. the scenes stuff of like trying to do this or that but then people clamor for this and that and yeah. finally producers are like we got to bring michael back we'll kind of get into that but yeah. you know um it's another entry that is brought back, kind of a harder edge than the first one, but still kind of the same spirit. Yeah, I was going to say, they still tried to capture, and I don't remember who directed it, um, but... I'll, I'll, I have. Yeah, the info, it, but so, yeah. The, uh, the writer and the director both wanted the sort of that bloodless vibe, mm-hmm. like more suspense yeah. and stalker feel. Yeah. Of the, you know, if they're like, we're going to bring Michael Myers back... Uh, let's let's try and capture the spirit of the first one. Yeah, and I think I think it does a good job with a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Some things are an exception in this movie, yeah. but I think it's a it's a nice kind of enhanced yeah. version of that. Yeah, it's yeah. In a, in a like you said, in a lot of ways, it definitely mirrored the original, and then there were things that they added or exaggerated yeah. or or. Pumped up because of the time that it was. Made. Yeah, I was gonna say that the they incorporated a lot of the slasher tropes yeah. that the first one kickstarted. Yeah, um, but then still tried to capture the spirit yeah. of the first. Yeah, because we'll get the, into. Yeah, it, yeah, the the first one kind of set the standard, but by the time '88, there was countless slasher, whether it was knockoffs yeah. or copycats or, or original stories um the slasher genre changed drastically it's bloated or overblown yeah. like it just it became it it, it became its own yeah. thing which enhanced like nudity and violence yeah. and stuff like but that, definitely right? four I think within that context still kind of kept the spirit of the first one yeah. while incorporating some elements that slas- that yeah. you know the slashers kind of did anyway which kind of made it different that's why fright night is so great yeah that we talked about week three. Uh, because of the time it was made. It didn't rely on certain tropes. Yeah. Um, it just kinda told its own story. Um but again, we'll get to four when we'll cross the bridge yeah. when we get to it. Um but again it's it's a Halloween double feature. Um, talking Halloween. So let's let's jump into the first Halloween, John Carpenter Halloween. Mm-hmm. So released October twenty seventh, nineteen seventy eight, directed by John Carpenter. Uh, a legend of oh, the best. A, especially in the eighties yeah. mm-hmm. um, of social satire and social commentary um and just really just he could have you just told through uh just dynamite action and and well and his reasoning for a lot of the small stuff in his movies Mm -hmm. like lighting cues and all different stuff and like there's uh an intention behind it Mm -hmm. and then you know if there's like something that seems like a throwaway thing mm-hmm. especially like in this movie or in like other movies you're like oh well you know throughout history they thought of this tradition and that's why yeah. i did this that way well you yeah. know it's it's very it's well researched mm-hmm. and everything has a point behind yeah. it and he scored all but four of his yeah. movies so that's yeah. really cool he's he's a musician mm-hmm. um but starring uh the great donald pleasance is mm-hmm. dr sam yep. loomis uh, the only one who shows up in one through six, he uh, wasn't in th- three, was he? Yeah, uh, you're right. One, yeah. two, four, five, six. All, all of the Michael Myers. All of, My- one the One through six with Michael Myers. The, kind of the thing, yeah. the this kind of the original Michael Myers run before H two O kind yeah. of retconned everything. Um, but Donald Pleasence as Doctor Sam Loomis, Jamie Lee Curtis as Laurie Strode. Um in her first big and her first yeah. like leading movie role Nancy Keys as Annie P J Souls as Linda and Charles Cypher's as sheriff as Sheriff Bracket and then I'd like to, you know, add on Nick Castle who, yeah, was, who was the shape. Michael Myers Michael yeah, the Myers the, shape, the yeah. shape yeah um box office of forty it made forty seven million on a three hundred fifty thousand dollar budget <laughs> that's a, um, like so it's, cr- it's still regarded as. I don't know if it still is, but it was regarded for the longest time as the most successful independent it, movie of all it time. It was um, topped by the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. So, but f- until but still, 1999, 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's really crazy if you hear, I know usually in our rentals, we kind of dive pretty heavy, like sp- like we intentionally dive heavy in behind the scenes stuff. Uh we we're going to talk some just cuz that's just the mm-hmm. way we are but you know I didn't really write behind the scenes stuff down mainly cuz I we've seen so many documentaries on both these yeah. movies we can kind of like so much say information. stuff by heart. Yeah yeah. But there there's some that being said there's a lot of cool documentaries you should look up. Oh yeah. Um but it's just cool to hear just how in the ingenuity used you have um, to like, use ingenuity when you have, like, a $300,000 budget yeah. for a and then film. the, you know, just all the small sacrifices they made, like, yeah. everybody wore their own clothes and blah, 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 yeah. and then just the way that they had to use their setting, because it's filmed in California, but it needs to look like the Midwest in October. Yeah. So, the way you do that, and just like you said, you know, you tell the story through lighting and through mm-hmm. pacing and stuff yeah. like that, it's just, it's just cool to listen to John Carpenter or people who worked on the movie, say we did this and this and this and all on our own dime, but also like yeah. utilizing all of our money. Yeah. Well, uh, one of the praises that like critics gave John Carpenter before he made Halloween, when he like assault on precinct 13 mm-hmm. or, you know, the very small movie he did before that. I can't remember what like star something or star crunch. Yes. <laughs> Starman. Oh wait, no, that was, that was later. Yeah, that was a, uh, um, but a lot of the praise he got was how well he could use his resources mm-hmm. and how well his execution was considering his limited resources. Yeah. And you definitely, when you look more behind the scenes and you watch this movie, you're like, I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Haddonfield, The Place. Because the movie, the movie, those of you listening, you know it. And if you haven't seen it, you have a pretty good idea of what the story is. Um, pretty much layman's terms the whole movie is built on suspense and mm-hmm. on unease yeah. like the whole time there's there's no like major key you know tune as far as like the score goes there's nothing like there. okay there's one thing like there's like this 50s yeah. like rockabilly type song playing on sure. the radio as um annie um laurie strode jamie yeah. curtis's character's friend is pulling up but other than that there's this there's also, don't fear the reaper like yeah, but that, that's not like that's like that's still kind of a doomy song. There's like this, right. There's this perpetual presence of doom. Yeah, but like, yeah, just adding on to like what yeah. mo- what music is. Yeah. Uh, I'm 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 more so talking about stuff in like a major key stuff right. that adds some levity. There's like no levity in this movie. Well, and not only is there no music with a major key, but there's very limited music in the movie in general. Minimalistic it, would be like the best way yeah, to describe it's not it. like there's not a constant score to like drive scenes and stuff it's like when it's used it's used like sudden and effectively mm-hmm. like certain like sass sting like sound stings like mm-hmm. yeah like musical like, stings yeah. Boom. yeah or like you know of course you know the halloween theme right but also for me that's just as triggering in terms of like ooh, i love this movie It's mm-hmm. like the bump um Bum, bum. Yeah, like, like yeah, real, bum, bum, bang bang bang, bang, bang bum, Like yeah. when he's pursuing someone, mm-hmm. and it's used very intentionally too. It's mm-hmm. not just there to be there, right? You know, it's not just transitioning from scene to scene. Um, and the whole movie is built on an air of mystery. Not mm-hmm. just you, you, you don't see. And I have notes kind of yeah. on like kind of the the part that lighting and kind of off centered yeah. shooting and camera angles kind of added. You know, kept, continued this air of mystery with. Michael Myers or the shape yeah. which is funny cuz something so ambiguous as the shape something so ambiguous as just like this um what's the word uh like amorphous just it's it just yeah. this is this plain blue um like um it's like, ones like mechanics, ones yeah. that he wears, and just the the painted William Shatner mask that's yeah. void of anything. You don't see his eyes, it's just these black holes. He's not this cartoony, like murderous right. slasher, like over yeah. the top character. It's mm-hmm. very simplistic. Yeah. And and the mystery starts off, um, the biggest mystery is just you it leaves the audience wondering why. Like why is he doing this stuff? All the all the events that happen in the movie and John Carpenter intended it for that way it's supposed to be a mystery all starting with you know from the word go you have that and it's not continuous there's one like one camera cut that John Carpenter yeah. said he can't find it because it's such a like a continuous shot there it's one of it's one of the earliest usages of the steady cam yeah. so it's this camera that's harnessed onto the person mm-hmm. holding it and it's it's well it's, i think it's probably like a bitch to to handle oh, yeah. but like there's this there's this so there's this stalking, like voyeuristic sequence to where it starts this is at, the, the, beginning the, at the beginning of the movie. At the beginning of the movie nineteen sixty three. Yeah. Um and it's just these shots of this POV stuff of whoever it's supposed to be is seeing these yeah. is seen like this this teenage girl and her boyfriend and through the windows and you follow the camera up the steps into the house, grabbing a knife, and it's this little hand, but like yeah. you don't think it could be a kid. Yeah and then the kid like is waiting and, like, as the boyfriend leaves and then just starts walking to the steps. And the first... Michael! Yeah, the first murder... The first... I don't say bloodless, because you can see, like, blood yeah, on there. It's a fairly bloodless movie. Yeah, there's some spots where you see blood. Right. Especially when, like, PJ Souls dies. Yeah. Um, or... Uh, yeah, on some of, some on, of the there are, there are, like, the mechanic Michael yeah. killed and everything. Like, um, But... Uh, er, uh i think it was Yerwin yablantz who was one of the producers mm-hmm. said um they want like they the theater of the mind was the most yeah. important thing for them you don't see you you can see him kill some people mm-hmm. but like it's what you don't see it's jaws jaws is one of the most is one of like the prime examples of yeah. like what you don't see you see the after effects mm-hmm. of what the monster is, what the threat yeah. is, but you don't see the monster, or the threat. Or also the, uh, not the Yeti on Hoth and Empire Strikes Back. Oh, the, um, um, yeah, me thinking of it. The Tusken Raiders. Yes. <laughs> um, shit. Uh, help us Wayne and Garth. There's a Wayne's world poster right next to us. Um, I am so upset. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, look it up real quick. But it's essentially the bloodless aspect. It, it helps the movie because you're not so focused on the effects of the carnage. You're focused on the carnage and like, I don't know. it's... theater of the mind. Theater of yeah, the mind. Yeah, exactly. Um, but um, you know, you there's this this whole scene going down, and you know, there's this brutal attack on another the wampa. The wampa. Yeah. Okay. There's this brutal attack. On an unsuspecting victim, but the biggest surprise for the audience comes when it's revealed the masked assailant is a child, child with this like expressionless look on his face, like just kind of thousand-yard stare, you know. And he's wielding this bloody knife. And one thing that kind of bugs me is his parents are like Michael, and they take his mask off. He's just standing there with a bloody bloody knife, and they're just standing on each side of him, like. Like, they're not running to the house to like, right. what'd you do? They're like, they're as expressionless as he is. That's really one of the, that's the yeah. only problem I might... I, I'd like to think that yeah. was played more as like a screenshot of that. Like, you know, they're not going to like, what have you done? They're not going to freeze it, but it's almost yeah. like freezing a moment in time yeah. to where the audience sees like... The most important part of that is, is the, the child, child, yeah, and then it's a child and the look on the child's face and yeah. the parents around. So it's almost like that was supposed to be like a freeze frame of that moment, and as the camera pans yeah. out, fades into Haddon or fades into um, the the rainy, stormy night yeah. when Loomis and the nurse are going to Smith's Grove to transfer, transfer Michael. Michael. Yeah. And that's yeah. one of my favorite things too, is like nothing is totally served up to the audience. Sometimes you can use too much exposition at the beginning yeah. to like be like, it's this, this, and this. Um, Keeps you engaged. Right, yeah. Oh, you know, It's like, why is he like this? Like Michael, you you don't see how dangerous, you hear about how dangerous he is before you actually see it. Yeah. Like when Loomis, um, he's in the car with the nurse on the way to Smith's Grove. And, and there are so many moments of exposition. With yeah. Doctor Loomis, either with the nurse or a Sheriff Bracket, yeah. Um, but but it's still very small. It's like I I was his doctor. Like yeah. he he needs he can't be, he's not human. Like he's mm-hmm. but you're like that still isn't enough. Give me more. And yeah. like you're you're immersed into the moments because you know real life. You don't have a soundtrack. So there's so many. It's moments just the elements to, and the yeah, sounds of the outside. Exactly. And it's and it's the quiet. You know they're not gonna be stage shouting at one another yeah. in the car they're just c- conversating in the car in the and- only light of like the street and when they pull up to the hospital mm-hmm. and you've got the inmates are like walking around and the nurses like they just let them walk around out here it's just the headlights so yeah. that's just that's just really creepy like your headlights pick up something that's yeah. really eerie like and then that. there's no music and then yeah, like an inmate the, jumps. there's an inmate that jumps on that we're we suspect is michael yeah. um, but even before that loomis keeps saying it refers to the shape or michael's it and the nurse is like um uh oh do you think we should refer to him as him instead of it and loomis you know drops the line where he's like you know if you if you say so um like he's just he's so flippant about people referring to him with some sort of pronoun when he knows he's this monster he's not he's not a he or she he's like you refer to animals as as it or evil. Um, yeah. It's just it. it, It is evil. Yeah. 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 So, not so much animals. But he drops these lines of warning in every interaction. When he's, you know, not, you know, I can hold on to this or we can skip it or skip to it. But, like, the moment where he's in the Myers house when he's with Sheriff Brackett. That's, oh, I, I don't want to skip it. I mean, obviously, not, we're not, not going to. Not skip it, but, like, skip to it. Oh, I so don't yeah, know. If, yeah. yeah um, no, skip to it because. I mean, at, at this point we've been introduced to our female lead yeah. and her friends yeah. and we're introduced, we see Haddonfield and it's all, it's all overcast and you see the the leaves on the ground and mm-hmm. we get, we get the setting. We know where he's going to be going. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get a little bit more, uh, exposition through, um, uh, Loomis yeah. when he's talking to Sheriff, uh, Bracket. Bracket. I was like, I want to say, I almost said Nurse Ratchet. Uh, almost, uh, close. Uh, Sheriff said, Bracket. Yeah. So basically, we're introducing ourselves. To these characters. The most important scene in the movie, and I think I pointed this out yesterday, when we re- when we rewatched it, was when uh Sheriff Bracket and Doctor Loomis go back to the Myers house, mm-hmm. which has since been like, you know, run down, and yeah. you know, there's this small thing to where Nate, our uh Lori's dad is like, go put the keys in in front of the Myers' house because he wants to sell it. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're in the and Sheriff Brackett's just like, well, what is this? And that's the most important scene in the movie because this is where you get your full exposition. Mm-hmm. This, you know, you have the this Loomis speech to where he he, he had this effort of trying to get through to this mm-hmm. child, and then eventually he just resigned to the fact that it's he's just there's nothing behind those eyes. He's yeah. pure evil. Which that's the most important because that sets the scope of how you should look at Michael Myers for Mm -hmm. all the rest of the movies until, you know, five when they introduced the thorn and like the killer cult or whatever. It's like, fuck that shit. It's like, it it should be, he should be looked at through the scope that Sam Loomis uh, set in that speech. Mm -hmm. And it's another reason why the Rob Zombie Halloween movies are hot circles of garbage. Because yeah. because at least the first one, not only are they uber violent and like just super I don't mind dingy and like trashy looking, yeah, yeah. but they spend way too much time getting to the psyche of Michael Myers as yeah. a kid. White so, trash cinema. Yeah, exactly. It's like there he's he's just you know he's a kid who killed his sister. Why did he kill her? There's just a switch that flipped inside mm-hmm. of him that he's no longer a feeling human yeah. being. Like And the thing a psychology nut like myself you know, who's fascinated by the the psychology of serial killers. Like initially when I heard that and I kind of saw it I was like, oh, this is kinda cool. But then like to hear like for like you said, it's hyper violent and like mm-hmm. too much swearing. Like yeah like I mean we swear all the time. But like yeah. this is like compounded Stop within the cursing. first in the first four minutes. Yeah. It's just you almost get a quarter up to what you know, mm-hmm. F words Goodfellas used, yeah. not really, but like it's it's a lot of swearing. Plus, it's a case of like, you don't always need something super detailed. It's mm-hmm. like sometimes you only need the cliff notes or the bullet points. Like, okay, that's all I need. Let's mm-hmm. keep going with the story. I like I just the the original aspect of Michael Myers, it just being a mystery because the commentary on that is the scariest thing. Is the random acts of violence. Yeah. That's what my, Michael Myers has until they added the familial element in the second one. Yeah. Michael Myers has no relation to Lori Strode. Yeah. So why he's stalking her, why he's picked her and her yeah. friends and all her and the people she knows, that's the scariest thing. Yeah. It's, yeah. Because, you know, obviously, like you said, when you add the familial element, like mm-hmm. they did in the second, like the second one from 1981, not yeah. the second Rob Zombie right. one. Right. Like, when they are like, you know, Laurie Strode is his sister. It's like, okay, well, there's his motivation, which is just small enough so you can be like, okay, that's understandable. But that's, the, that's like you said, the scariest thing is it's completely random yeah. in the first one. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, so back to, you know, there's a small moment because the the little, uh, the little, like, monologue he has yeah. um, to Sheriff Brackett is where you get the brunt of the exposition explaining how dangerous mm-hmm. it is but there's a small moment when they walk in and you don't see the dead animal, but there's a dead animal out of the shot and they're both like Loomis and Sheriff Brackett are like looking at, they're like, and like Loomis goes to look at, and he comes back and he's like, could have been a skunk or another animal. He's like, he's like, no, he got hungry. And he's like, oh, there's no way a man could have done that. It just, let's see, what did I put? Sheriff Brackett's like, there's no way a man did that. And then Loomis, who before, who before, he theorized the shape got hungry mm-hmm. thus eating an animal raw responds yeah. by saying this isn't a normal man and it, this or is this a, is no man this is a yeah. callous savage then the most pivotal moment like you said in the movie where loomis tells Brackett, even as a six-year-old boy and as he got older he'd look mm-hmm. into michael's eyes and he'd see this void yeah. it's nothing the blackest eyes the devil's eyes. Yeah. And like, that's such a good line. And then Loomis continues by saying, he realized he couldn't get through to him, that Michael was pure evil. So he spent his, he spent the rest of his time making sure Michael was locked up. He's not trying to help him anymore. Cause no. he said he's, he can't be helped. Yeah. So now he spent his time trying to make sure he's locked up for the rest of his life. And then the line death has come to your town. Donald Pleasance is brilliant mm-hmm. in this movie. He's easily, he's the best part of the, all the movies he's mm-hmm. in. Um, Especially six. Jesus Christ. I'm glad we're not talking about six. Yeah, but six uh is dumb mess. He's he's so good mm-hmm. as Dr. Loomis. Especially in this movie. Especially mm-hmm. when he has to deliver monologues like that. Yeah. And then the the suspense, the momentum of the suspense and the unease is kept up with um, the slow piano, like the walking yeah. melody dun 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 yeah, dun dun and then um, the sudden musical stings, like you said, that yeah. come in that emphasize the shape's appearance or points of tension. Yeah. Um, like, I, yes. I was just gonna say, whenever the whenever you describe the pace of the movie, initially you want to say it's you know it's kind of a slow burn, but I don't want slow to imply. I use methodical because yeah. to a lot of people, slow implies boring. Yeah, and there's nothing boring about this movie. Mm-hmm. Like you're like you're engaged the yeah. whole time. Like, well, if anything, it's slow and it's methodical and plotting because Michael is stalking. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah, it's it. It's not like right out. He just starts killing people. Mm-hmm. There's not like a high body count. Yeah, and it's just crazy because Laurie Strode, and I like um, Tommy, one of the. Lori's going to babysit this kid, Tommy, were yeah. introduce him at the beginning of the movie when she's putting the keys on the Myers house. And she's like, that's the, he's like, that's the boogeyman's house. Mm-hmm. And like, he keeps saying the boogeyman, the boogeyman, yeah. the boogeyman, which leads to the great line at the end. Um, but she's like, you know, do you believe everything? So-and-so tell you it's all in your imagination. But, and he keeps referencing yeah. the boogeyman. He sees the boogeyman. Um, and then Lori, who is supposed to have this um, kind of this, Higher school of thought that she doesn't believe in hokum and fairy yeah. tales and stuff like that. Um, but guys she, think she's too smart. Yeah, exact, exact. Guys think I'm too smart. This um, <laughs> that quiet little moment dialogue isn't great, but you know what? Yeah. One thing that it's Deborah Hill did a great job because one thing her dialogue is praised for is it's she was young enough to know have a finger on the pulse of how teenagers talk at that time. So yeah, it, yeah. so it's very like kind of true to life. Yeah. Um, but you know. It's the acting's okay. It's, not, it's, it's fine. Especially, you know, um uh Annie Brackett, you know, one of yeah. her friends and PJ Souls. They're kind of like you know, they're they're sort of cartoonishly over so the all top. Nobody ever talks like, about like sexual, you know, yeah. teenagers. But I I like it. Yeah, it I mean, no, no, it's that's part it's of the It's certainly charm. not enough to take you out of it and be like, Okay, this is just silly. It's not yeah. really painting. Whether Deborah Hill and John Carpenter meant to you or not, it's not really painting them as like super likable. But sure, they're still, they're still innocent yeah. victims. Yeah, exactly. Um, you, you, they shouldn't, they don't deserve to die. Yeah. Or, but know. like Lori, who is of clearer mind, because yeah. there's this allegory of, of like the virgin, the virgin has yeah. a clearer mind, so she's able to survive. I what's. Why did she how about she's just a strong female? Well that's what John Carpenter and Deborah Hill said is they're like that wasn't really our intention to create right. that trope of like, yeah. oh well the slasher's killing all like the sexual deviants and the right. virgin. I was, it's like, well, it's more so just like and I and I can see how it was created through this right. school of thought. Um but Deborah Hill and John Carpenter were like, I think it's more so her friends are just distracted by getting laid. Yeah. And Lori just isn't participating in that, so she's more focused. She's focused on you know, to where that's been interpret it as oh well because she the people they're virgins or like or it's like oh well they're too overly sex it's like you, you're kind of taking a, a little bit of that mindset but you're sort of overblowing it into this is what it is making like, a mountain out of molehill exactly yeah um like it and i think it's just because yeah she has a clearer mind because there's more distracted. aware yeah but she sees these these images of michael like behind yeah. a clothesline or standing behind a car or behind a bush mm-hmm. and, and just like, disappears. then he just disappears. And you know, the person who tries to be the logical moviegoer is like, wait a minute, we didn't see him disappear. How'd he get away so fast? I think it's supposed to be Lori, the audience is supposed to think that Lori might feel like she's going crazy. Yeah, because there's a mirage. That, she's a shape. There's that yeah. part where she's like, you know, she's talking to herself and she's like, Thought you didn't believe in fairy tales anymore, kid, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, so she's she's like, and she has this she's these looks on her face where she's like, yeah, like like nobody's in the room with her. But she's like, anybody else seeing this? Would but, that really enhance your movie experience if they had a shot of him walking slowly that away? Was, that looks so dumb. Like, yeah, she feels like she's going crazy. So then the audience might feel like they're going crazy. Sure. But then the whole stalking element, and then the voyeur, like I said, the voyeuristic first-person camera movement mixed with there are these. I noticed this yesterday. Um, I love, I love this movie because you notice something new. I have a new appreciation for it. Like all the stuff in the car between Loomis and the nurse. Yeah, it's one of those things to where like I just, I just heard like new things I never heard before that adds to the lore of Michael Myers. Um, But. They they have these tight shots on the girls, so those those are your focal points. But then they they the shot stays on them as they're like walking off, and you still hear them talking, and like in a few of these shots, like Michael's shoulder will show up, yeah. Or it just won't. Nothing will show up at all, but it still move. gives this move. Yeah, well, yeah, you're get in the out, shot. Get out of the shot. Some <laughs> stupid grip is in the shot. Move <laughs> it. Get your ham sandwich out of the shot. Uh, it's Michael. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, sorry. And <laughs> why would you keep all that? Um, sorry, <laughs> but like it, it, creates this first, per, you know, somebody is watching them yeah. far away, even though you don't see them. The camera's staying on them, even as they're walking away, and you hear their their dialogue mm. fading. Something it still creates this perspective of something is watching them. Yeah. everything points to a, the stalking element, even if it's something small or something bigger. Um, and it in what else did I put there? Um, oh, and the okay, that has nothing to do with it. Um, not yet. <laughs> um, but I, so I eggs bread. That no, sounds oh, like a grocery list. Ah, damn it! Um, I recorded over it, but it's it, the the biggest thing it has going for it that anybody will point out. Yeah. is just the whole stalking element. That back to what you were saying of it's not slow in terms of it being like boring. laborious or boring. Yeah. It's slow intentionally because michael myers is methodical yeah and in the meantime we're still we're there's still enough of these characters mm-hmm. like her friends that you see enough of them to where when they die you're like oh we spent a little i mean we spent a little bit of time with her and it kind of sucks it's not like well i don't care she was this, mm-hmm. this expendable character just get rid yeah. of her um one thing i want to point out is I remember watching this movie and some of the stuff thinking like it's random, like there's a scene where Loomis is with the, the kind of the graveyard, like the grave digger or the guy who, the groundskeeper at a graveyard. And it's when they first, they're going up to the plot where Judith Myers' headstone is, where she's buried. Michael's sister. Michael's sister. Older sister that he killed. Who he killed at the, at the beginning. And the headstone has been unearthed yeah and uh he's like those damn kids and the halloween pranks and stuff like that but on their way up there um he's talking about a a story that was kind of like judith myers kind of innocent slaying uh tour he's like you know there's this you know just 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 you know you just never know why there's a story of this father you know he gets up finishes dinner kisses his family and goes gets a shotgun and he's, can yeah. we speed this up, please? Yeah. And like it's just illustrating just another act of random violence. Mm-hmm. Further emphasizing that's what John Carpenter is going for is the scariest thing. Yeah. Is like it's not the you know, the scariest thing isn't a giant wielding a machete or a butcher yeah. knife. The scariest thing is the act itself is just so random. <laughs> There's no reason for it. Um and it, it's real normal people being real monsters. Yeah. And that was also the overarching theme of movies like the thing. Yeah. Um, but kind of since the stalking element is like one of the biggest things mm-hmm. of the movie. Um, it also provides, there's this, the whole movie and four does this really well too. Yeah. There's this looming dread and tension, um, of dramatic irony. Um, cause the audience sees it, but the, you know, the teenagers don't see it and it all boils over into the third act yeah to when lori finally encounters the shape and like the two give chase and lori keeps hitting these stumbling blocks sometimes literally yeah like the whole falling over trope uh, yeah, I, I yeah i pointed that out yesterday and it's it's really easy to levy criticism against mm-hmm. like you know whether you enjoy horror movies or not mm-hmm. the biggest thing that people point out and kind of make fun of is oh the girl who's always running away and trips like people trip and fall and stuff and sometimes in movies that are really over the top and cheesy or whatever Mm -hmm. or maybe even self-aware like that's really dumb but at the same time you have to think about it from their perspective Mm -hmm. especially in this movie like someone who's just so like beside themselves and something traumatizing and scary happens i feel like you're one of the reactions your body has is just kind of going limp and giving mm-hmm. out, like especially when you're uh, um, producing that much adrenaline mm-hmm. and you're trying to like get from one place to another, and your brain is like firing off like ten thousand mm-hmm. thoughts at once. Yeah, your your legs might forget how to work. Yeah, you know, and you just fall over and you have to gather yourself, mm-hmm. or some of the stupid decisions that you know are quote unquote dumb decisions Lori makes, like uh, uh, when they're back when she's back at the house, she's babysitting Mm -hmm. and, um, some of the stuff she does, it's like, yeah, you can say, Oh, why didn't you just keep the knife? Or why, why are you just sitting there? Why don't you just make sure he's dead? It's like contextually, we don't know what she's thinking about at Mm -hmm. that time. Like she could just, you're just so ridiculously terrified. You're not thinking straight. Mm -hmm. Which I know we just said she's more focused and more you know because of her virtue, but still but that doesn't matter. That like, doesn't mean she can't be overcome with fear. Yeah, exactly. Fear and trauma doesn't like uh, um, doesn't discriminate mm-hmm. in that in those sort of situations. Plus, within the context when the movie was made, now you can have people in the theater yelling at the screen saying, like, "Go move, go, idiot! Why didn't you keep the like run, run?" Like 1978. A, there weren't Unless you lived in Italy Or you yeah. went to the grindhouse There weren't a lot of like Bloody bloody slasher kill movies yeah. Black Christmas was like the closest thing Yeah In 1975 or Yeah same, same, same guy who same, did yeah. that directed Christmas Story Yeah uh, Bob uh. Clark um, But um And Porky's I think What a wide <laughs> Yes uh, What a wide net he cast Yes um, But uh <laughs> He, oh, it runs the gamut of all the emotions. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, you didn't have those tropes to where no. you can yell at the screen. It's like, why? Sure. As, Look behind you. Yeah, as a logical movie you can, you know, at the time watching, you're like, oh no, keep the knife. You didn't have, like, you didn't really, that wasn't a thing then of yeah. like, cause it became commonplace yeah. after this movie. Because everything was so cookie cutter. Sure. That, you know, you took those tropes. Mm-hmm. And then audiences started developing, you know, the, oh, keep the knife, idiot, blah, blah, blah. But, like, it also goes into, like you said, she's, like, she gets in and then she, again, the, do I have, I have, to, yes. So, I have more about the lighting and whatever. yeah Especially, when she's in the house that so she's babysitting for, cause there's like no lights on mm-hmm. except the moonlight coming in. But there's great when she, she thinks she's safe. She gets in the house, she locks the door and she looks and one of the windows is open. Oh fuck. And then, <laughs> then he pops up from behind, yeah. Like yeah, pops from behind the couch. couch and she stabs him in the neck with a sewing needle and he drops his knife um, I don't know if you detractors know this, but if anybody else gets stabbed in the neck with a sewing needle, they're probably incapacitated. So that's why she didn't grab the knife. Right. Um. But you know, yeah, she doesn't check if he's dead. So she walks up. She's like, okay, that does it. So she goes up to Tommy. Make sure and, they're okay. Yeah, and Lindsay. Uh, Lindsay. So yeah, Annie, her friend Annie, was babysitting a girl named Lindsay, and Annie bites the bullet. Or she bites the dust. She leaves Lindsay with uh, Lori so she can go uh, make some some f. Make whoopee. Yeah. Um, but Annie's death, though, there's there's the one like really intense musical sting when Michael mm-hmm. pops up in the in the back of the car she's in. But then there's nothing except like Michael's heavy breathing yeah. and her. <sighs> And her like struggling. Yeah. So again, it it's a very real thing. Yeah. To where like it's very unsettling. Yeah. You know, there's not going to be a soundtrack playing unless you have the radio on when you're getting yeah. strangled in your car. Um, but back to Lori, she goes upstairs. You know, that's when she goes upstairs to tell you know, you know he's he's dead. Like, mm-hmm. and then he's walking up the stairs, and the kids see him, and he's like over the shoulder. Um, while I like while I'm on it because that's another one of those like kind of not totally in the frame over the Mm -hmm. shoulder shots. The lighting tells the story. Like Michael looms in shadows. There's very little light shining on the shape during most of the movie. There's very little tight focus on Michael. He appears as a specter over shoulders, kind of left of center blocking in frames, um, always seemingly obstructed by something, and adds to the unease uh, to the audience because it goes back to you can't fully see him, so you can't fully like figure out what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to backtrack and yeah. say um with horror movies, that's I mean granted that's a lot of the fun for people. Mm-hmm. It that that is them immersed in the story is them yelling move or go or come on yeah. idiot what's you know it's not necessarily a criticism towards that. It's mm-hmm. more so like at least for this movie in the time period you need to get inside the brain of your protagonist and get, you know, psychologically Mm -hmm. understand why these things are happening. Right. And then you can say, come on, idiot, you know, but you know, it's not just someone being stupid. Right. Like there's, I know there's a disconnect for, as an audience, like you need to suspend your disbelief, Mm -hmm. but you know, just kind of put yourself in that situation. But that is part of the fun for a lot of people and they still like horror movies. Yeah. Like one of, one of the most, the, I wonder, there's a, there's, the most famous scene in the movie has to be laurie's been stuck in the closet yeah um and she like it's when she stabs him yeah and then she he because he's like breaking into the closet and she stabs him and there's that famous shot of like of jamie lee curtis looking like distraught while stabbing yeah. him and then like he's down she gets out of the closet um That's she then knocks on the, goes across the hallway and knocks on, you know, tells Tommy and Lindsay go run and get help. They run out and Dr. Loomis is just walking up the street. Um, but she's, you just kind of see, it's like a depth of field type thing. You just kind of see Lori on the foreground, but in the background you see Michael just laying there and then just raise up. No music. Yep. Just, just does that. The undertaker raise up, um, and then he stands up, starts walking towards her, and then you just have her in the shot. Then he comes into the shot, starts just choking her. her. Yeah. That's when Loomis comes up, and like she like takes his, She takes his well, mask his off. Mask. Yeah, and he's just, like he looks. He has just like look of bewilderment on his face. And Loomis comes up as like Michael's putting it back on. And then shoots him. That's when he shoots him like six times, and Michael falls out the yeah. window. Um. But and then I just remember the scene where before she starts running to the house she's in, the house or to the house she was babysitting in, the house yeah. that all of her friends' dead bodies are in, yeah. um, she's like crying and distraught and over her shoulder in a dark room, this um I think Tom Lee Wallace said they yeah. use a dimmer switch yeah. to bring up the lights and it's just this yeah. easy fade in on Michael's it's such a great just shot. His head. Yeah. And you see a knife come down and like slice her and he mm-hmm. falls over the banister. Um but the movie ends with the theme song and Loomis is peering over kind of the deck and or over where Michael. He's peering yeah. out the window and Michael's not there. Cause we get yeah. a shot of Michael on the ground. And then it's like, and then finally Lori's like, that was the boogeyman. He's like, as a matter, matter of fact, fact, it was, was. Yeah. it's, it, it bookends the whole boogeyman thing. She finally believes. Mm-hmm. And then it bookends what Loomis had been saying all the time. And it puts a name to it this evil he's the boogeyman yeah um Um, john carpenter um mm -hmm. and loomis's reaction donald pleasance was like uh he's like i'll i'll give you two choices of how i'm gonna respond to this i'm either going to respond in complete like bewilderment Mm -hmm. and like oh my god he's gone like what are we gonna do or loomis is gonna respond as if I knew this would happen exactly, and uh, John Carpenter had never been given a choice like that mm-hmm. before by an actor, and so he's like, "I'll let's do both, and you'll you can see which one I pick." Yeah, and he picked the one where Loomis kind of has this look on his face, like, "I knew that was going to happen." Yeah. And it's funny because Donald Pleasance gave John Carpenter the choice, but John Carpenter was like, he he knew what reaction yeah. he was going to use. Yeah, um, but the movie ends with the theme, like Lori is crying because like. Like, I've heard people say, we've watched it with people, and they're like, "How did she's not even over there. How does he know he's gone? It's like, she doesn't know he's gone. The thing she is... She just has went through a bunch of trauma. Yeah, she just saw all of her friends are dead, yeah. and she just was attacked numerous yeah. times. And she, realized she saw someone getting, like, shot. The adrenaline is now wearing it's, it's off. It's not a crying of, oh my God, he's gone. He's it's gonna get so, me. It's more so, I just went through a bunch of shit. Yeah. And she's not even focused on like loomis she's just crying about the situation that just happened and like the theme is playing undercut with the heavy breathing of michael showing all the spots the terror has just taken place and the it indicates that the pure evil can't be stopped and it's still out there um john carpenter didn't have any intention of making any sequels he wanted to end the story on an ambiguous ending just to i mean something that's a downer, yeah. You know, like it. It's going back to the whole, the whole intent on the producers, the theater of the mind. Yeah, you You're, you make up the ending. Yeah, like it leaves you wondering. It leaves you sympathy for Lori Strode. And, yeah. Um. But however, things change when yeah. producers see when you make forty-seven million dollars on a three hundred fifty thousand dollar budget. Uh, that's buku profit exactly production companies uh, Mustafa Cod yeah. uh, who backed the, who financially backed the movie and yeah. then all bankrolled all the rest of the movies yeah. um, he saw dollar signs mm-hmm. and I don't say that as a, as he's like a mean man he's greedy no. he's a sweet man from what I've heard but I mean, come on! You're you're in the your movie, goal. Your goal is to make money. The movie making business can be money making business. Yeah. And he saw dollar signs. Mm-hmm. Um, so Halloween two, like we said, it established the familial element. It takes place mainly in a hospital, like the it, same night. Yeah, it's shot the same way that the first one yeah. was. So it's nice because it seems like a continue. It really holds the spirit of like a continuation. Yeah. Well, they and they wanted to keep the spirit of the first film and that like bloodless suspense. But then, you know, they showed, you know, the producers or, like, the studio was like, yeah. no, we need something, we need, like, we need to see killings and it needs yeah. that be brutal. Because the like sign that. of the times, Friday the 13th. Yeah. And the first two had come mm-hmm. out. And that's and that's the same thing with the fourth one. Yeah. Is that they wanted it to be bloodless and just pure suspense. Yeah. And the, you know, Mustafa, Akkad, and the producers in the studio was like, no, we need to see blood. We need to see like some gruesome stuff. We need to yeah. see some violence. Yeah. Um, but the second one, second one's solid. The yeah, third one, if you look at it as a standalone, the third one, for those of you that don't know, uh, John Carpenter kinda wanted. he wanted to make kinda Halloween and anthology series like yeah. Twilight Zone, Outer Limits, like Creep Show, you so know, something like that. The Michael Myers lore was done after the second right. one because yeah. he got burned up in yeah. a hospital explosion. He, yeah. Dr. Loomis blows him and Michael up. Yeah. They're both dead. Jamie Lee Curtis makes off in a in a another her ambulance. And her wig. Yes. She's wearing a wig because she had short hair at that time. Yeah. Um but um that the Michael Myers arc was done. So the third one is a really good movie. Yeah. Like Tom Atkins is in it and it's just it has to do with like an evil cult like who delves in witchcraft and 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 black magic, you know, having kids as conduits for this black magic through Halloween masks. Yeah. And like a doctor finds us out. Not so much conduits as like the victims. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, well they they're used to kind of carry out this evil kind of as as vessels. To show what the evil can do through, um, okay, through so Halloween masks, not conduits in, in the sense that they're <coughs> using them to transport. As more this. so vessels. It's, yeah, it's they're not using it to transport the product to something else, right. but To express this evil. That's yeah, going, that's yeah. what it can like. And the whole thing is, um, the Silver Shamrock, um, mask company yeah. or like novelty company has these, um, now iconic, mm-hmm. Halloween masks. And uh, it plays this tune all throughout this Silver Shamrock Halloween. Yeah. Like, um, dun 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 dun. It's really yeah. creepy. Yeah. Um, there's still that looming ominous feel to it too. A really creepy right. feel. That's why I really like it. Um, but yeah. like, the whole the whole thing though is like on Halloween night, it's supposed to be these kids that have all these masks on, and they're supposed to watch this commercial, and then it's a trigger for the masks yeah. to go off and start killing these kids. Yeah. And the, like the the quote unquote goosebumps ending yeah tom atkins character doesn't save the day because he can't stop the commercial from happening it's a really that's become a more that's become like an iconic shot plus he's a really flawed protagonist yeah it's not really that likable kind of a really kind of a dumpy yeah mustachioid guy yeah but an everyman mustachioed. um but people hated it because michael myers was in it right um which i think now i think it's silly but it's getting its just due sure ever since his blu-ray release it's a cult classic yeah So, that was 1983? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Five years later, they're like, okay. We have to bring back Michael Myers. We have to bring back Michael Myers. We have to bring back our cash cow, which led to Halloween 4, Return of Michael Mm -hmm. Myers, released October 21st, 1988, directed by Dwight Little. So, that's who directed it. Yeah. Um, Donald Pleasence is back as Dr. Loomis, uh, with new cast of characters Ellie Cornell as Rachel Carruthers. Great. Daniel Harris as Jamie Lloyd. uh, Sasha Jensen as Brady. Both star as Sheriff Meeker, Kathleen Kinmont as Kelly Meeker, also with Michael Pataki as yeah. Dr. Hoffman. Yeah. Yes, and it could be a painful yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Rocky kind of Four, The Russian liaison for Trago and yeah, Rocky, Rocky 4. 4. Um, Box office of $17.7 on a $5 million budget. Didn't really do... I mean, made a profit. That's still good, yeah. That's still good. But when you compare it to right. 330000 and they made, what, $47 million, something yeah, like three, that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, one thing this movie I I like four I think four might have been the first one I ever saw yeah, atmosphere. Ooh, it's, it's thick. Rife, in this movie yeah. rife with Halloween atmosphere. So just like, the opening, the opening credits mm-hmm. is just quiet. Yeah, it's just quiet, and it's just like birds chirping. It's just like wind blowing. Yeah, and not even fully quiet. There's like this dooming sustain yeah. of like Alan Howarth, who worked on the score for the second one with John Carpenter, mm-hmm. finally got the reins, and he added kind of more of his spin on it, yeah, so first fifteen minutes of the movie, you don't get the Halloween theme mm-hmm. um, until the hospital parts where they're wheeling the Smiths girl parts where they're wheeling Michael out. Um, but it's just looming in in an overcast sky above an empty farm. And then it also, there's these wet small town streets, you know, the day after, you know, an overnight rain, this 80s Halloween decorations in the drugstore, fall foliage with children and Halloween costumes running across the street. Mm-hmm. Halloween's all over the place. Yeah. It's fully Halloween atmosphere. Yep. Um, and we watched it the other night and it feels like the whole movie, literally and figuratively, is like covered in like a layer of fog. Yeah, at least like and, the nighttime shots. Yeah, there's more of like, an edge to the tension Mm. mainly because of like when you know it slashers at the time what they were and it physically looks cleaner yeah um because they have more of a budget but also the the time it was made there's more of an edge Mm -hmm. kind of slasher feel of it um but i don't know four's just i i in four and five have a special spot in my heart because when we first started watching these movies on amc fear fest These were the ones they showed, like four, five and resurrection. Yeah. And then had the first Weird Halloween. Order of them. Yeah. yeah. Like the first Halloween would be just on Halloween night. Mm-hmm. But four and five are just I don't know, it there's, there's 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 something different. They're great sequels in that they try to capture the spirit of the original while trying to be its own right. thing. Four definitely five was rushed into production yeah. because of the, the of success four. of yeah. four. Um, but Daniel Harris, well, Ellie Cornell and Daniel Harris. Um, Ellie Cornell, Rachel Carruthers, has a foster sister, the main character, Jamie Daniel Lloyd, Harris. Yeah. Jamie Lloyd, who's supposed to be the daughter of the currently deceased Laurie Strode. Strode. Yeah. Um, and the whole so thing So Michael Myers' niece. Yeah, the whole thing is Michael Myers is being wheeled out at the beginning. Exposition is given at the beginning to kind of retcon... Kind of forget three and just talk about the events of one and two. How how Donald... how. Uh, Michael and Loomis escaped the explosion yeah. mm-hmm. from uh, from two. Yeah. Um, and he hears these two EMTs talking about how, like, he has, like, Michael's history, yeah. but he, like, has a niece and I don't know. In Haddonfield, yeah. <laughs> and you see kind of his fist clench. Like, his, yeah. his hand is open. You see, like, his hand close into a fist. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean atmosphere is kind of close to the first movie yeah it actually has a, a more of a sinister tone yeah to it mm-hmm. um but yeah rachel rachel is a great um heroine heroine kind of you know final girl-esque mm-hmm. um but the movie it's crazy because the movie is led by a child yeah like and child, she does a great job she, yeah danielle harris has like she's super convincing as being like more mature beyond her mm-hmm. years and then her scream and her yeah. terror is like super palatable. Yeah, for like sure. She's one of the best screams. Um, and then five, she is mute because of some of the, the action horrific the events four, of four. Four yeah. and three quarters of the movie, she's just pantomiming and like yeah. acting with her face and with her hands. She's does it incredible. It's one. In it's movie. one of the only good parts of five. Right. Um. But four we won't go over kind of what the story is. I mean yeah. I we 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 kind of said earlier it's more violent. There's a Michael more- Michael goes back to Haddonfield to kill the mm-hmm. remainder of his bloodline, yeah. essentially. Yeah. And then Loomis is in tow. Yeah. And the Holt and you know, uh Jamie is this is like tortured with like PTSD and like the loss of her of her parents mm-hmm. and so she's already kind of struggling to adjust to this foster family. And Rachel at the beginning has this attitude of, you know, cause Jamie's like, we're, we're sisters, right? Like real sisters. Mm. She's like, uh, yeah, of course. But then she has this, um, attitude like Jamie's just kind of a burden Mm -hmm. because like, oh, and I got to babysit tonight. I was going to go out with like Brady, who's Sasha Jensen, who's her boyfriend. And, uh, so Jamie has to deal with the death of her parents. And then she's just got this uneasy feeling. Yeah. Because people have been spreading... Have been saying rumors about how, like, mm-hmm. the boogeyman is her uncle. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, her foster parents are trying to show her as much love as she can. But she can't really accept it because she's still processing the death of her parents. Yeah. And now she feels like a burden on her sister. Yeah. And she's just... She's very, like, tormented. Yeah. And I, I like the... Like I said, the atmosphere is great because it kind of just epitomizes to me how I like what I what I see is like a small town Halloween. Yeah. I think I like the look of like a small town Halloween. Yeah. You still have the drugstore and the department store with all in this long stretch, mm-hmm. um, and like I said, inside the drugstore, I like the feeling of like '80s elements inside of a drugstore that was probably built in the '50s or the '60s. Um, I like that, and then just the whole overcast nature of it. And then Mm -hmm. when Jamie and Rachel go out trick or treating, they kind of get separated. And there are these moments to where Rachel is walking by herself and it's dark yeah, and it's, it's dreary outside. There's this, there's this fog and I'm like, Oh, Oh boy. Um, and we were watching it with Jeremy and Jess and there was this one part to where Rachel walks through the frame and then it just, for like a split second holds on a pumpkin that's smiling. Yeah. And Jess is like, ooh, I like that shot. And I was yeah. like, yeah, it's kind of juxtaposition of like it's this really tense moment and kind of this really scary time, but it just shows kind of a a kind of a fun pumpkin with a smile on its yeah. face. Um I just like the whole feel of the movie. It it definitely has a very good it it's now like, okay, this is Halloween. We're gonna make it feel like Halloween. Right. Whereas I don't know, like, Halloween is now more of a character in yeah. the movie, um, whereas it was, in the first one, it was just the day things were happening. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm looking up, so the, I don't remember who it was, but they had a great kind of uh, explanation of how, like, Halloween 4, like, how Haddonfield feels mm-hmm. since the events of Halloween. Um, I can't. And it's all supposed to be 10, like the whole 10 years later thing is like really is brought up a bunch because yeah, 78 and 88. Yeah, so okay, here it is. So Etchison, who was he one of the writers? They're referring to an interview that someone with the name Etchison did, um, yeah, but I think he was one of the writers. And he went to considerable more detail about the plot, and he said the idea is that the town, after all those terrible murders 10 years earlier, has banned Halloween. Mm-hmm. They don't recognize Halloween as a holiday. They don't allow Halloween masks and costumes or Halloween candy. And you know Hunt, the deputy from the first two films, Hunt is now the sheriff, and 10 years of repression and suppression have boiled to the surface, and there are some hints that he's back, uh, or Michael Myers is back. Mm-hmm. So I foresaw on the poster the words, the night he came home, they instead went with 10 years ago, he changed the face of Halloween, tonight he's back. And I had this set piece in my mind where Michael Myers comes bursting out of a big lot full of, I think he's just going into. So that's sort of, like that's where, that's sort of the tone of Haddonfield at this point. The only thing I would say is like, no one seems to have any issue with Halloween. I don't, yeah. So so I think think they kind of took that idea and put it in six, because six, like Halloween, is banned. I think there's, you can definitely, there's this ghost that the town is still dealing with. Yeah. With what happened. Yeah, because Loomis comes to Haddonfield because Michael has escaped and Mm -hmm. he comes to Haddonfield and says like, we're Sheriff Brackett. Mm -hmm. He said Sheriff Brackett moved far away after basically after the events of Halloween and because his daughter was killed by Mm -hmm. Michael Myers and uh they so they know about it it's like loomis is like well michael myers is coming back to haddonfield and mm-hmm. stuff like that and yeah just the way that like the the townies when they get together their hillbilly militia the hillbilly task force yeah, the hillbilly <laughs> task <Force>, this was the <laughs> uh, these townies this hillbilly task force gets together and they're like oh, i'm gonna shoot the bastard you know yeah and because they live through because because they remember the sheriff Brackett says when loomis is just giving all this all just threatening what kind of what kind of evil the town's about to deal mm-hmm. with you know sheriff bracket and the first one is like this is a town of like families but if yeah. we put them on high alert like this like people are gonna get scared they're because lining this- them up for their line we're lining them up for a slaughter kind yeah of thing. exactly and it's one sort of those things where like it's almost like things have gotten back to normal mm-hmm. as normal as it can get and then this ghost is coming back yeah so i think it's just it's this pissed off nature because like sheriff meeker who's now the sheriff just keeps getting pissed off now you've created a lynch mom you don't have a task you don't have a police or a police force you don't have a police because they just are walking out of the police um uh, headquarters headquarters and everyone's dead yeah Yeah. um and it's just i don't really like the look of michael myers in this one he looks like he's wearing padding yeah well he is Okay, well, Not, well, Michael Myers isn't, but George the actor, Wilbur, yeah, Wilbur is wearing padding. Yeah. like when he, when he gets like, blowed up, when he gets like yeah. shot by all these all all the, the just his reactions, like he's, getting he's like, shot. but he's he's like he's all kind of his body's like tense Tens and scrunched yeah. up. He's like, well, in the mask, like doesn't look that good yeah no like it was it was it doesn't look like what's on the poster for halloween 4 because they use a still shot from the original for the poster for halloween 4 yeah um it's just they got a william shatner mask but they got like the masks were pink with blonde hair and Mm -hmm. so they had to like physically paint them white and the hair to be brown Mm -hmm. which in one shot when michael chase it or uh loomis and uh jamie loomis catches up to jamie they're they're trying to hide in the in the in the school Mm -hmm. uh when loomis is he's like kind of uh jumped by michael it's the pink mask with the blonde hair yeah um yeah i mean not only is like jamie daniel harris's performance like is great just this this little girl you know the please help me help like she's so great at that and so convincing um ellie cornell as Rachel, like a yeah. super take charge, very for brave, herself. yeah, yeah. Like when they're on the roof, selfless. Yeah, when they're yeah. on the roof, like she, like she's trying, she's keeping her composure. And Ellie yeah. Cornell gets like really physical up there, yeah. and and it's just it's just really cool to see. Cool um, little um, set design uh, piece of trivia. So they physically built that roof, just that roof, mm-hmm. six feet off the ground, because they're fr- a couple. of For a couple, they went through a couple options. Mm -hmm. They're like, we could green screen it, but it completely takes you out of the reality of the situation Mm -hmm. because it could look totally fake. Mm -hmm. Um, Or we put them on a real roof, which is incredibly dangerous. So they just built a a roof six feet off the ground. Mm -hmm. Which the ironic thing is that uh, Ellie Cornell, when she's like, has a scene where she's rolling down the side of the roof, she like, there was a staple that that was sticking out and she like cut her stomach. Yeah. Um, so but it's just really, cause she's like painted as kind of like the, the virtuous, but like timid like, yeah. girl next door. But then she like, she she's the one out of all the police officers and the machismo yeah. who have just died. She's the one who like takes her sister and starts mm-hmm. like, you know, getting her off the roof and and she falls off the roof and like, yeah. um, Jamie thinks she's dead. So that's why Jamie's like, just screaming like help me help as yeah. she's running away which the actual police were called because they actually thought someone was in trouble oh, yeah all right I, I didn't know that they anything. actually they thought, thought like someone that. was trying to abduct danielle harris ah, off got set she did a great job yeah <laughs> um but then it's great because like of course you have the part where like you see like after loomis and jamie like loomis catches up with jamie and then where's the schoolhouse yeah. where's the school over there where's the schoolhouse <laughs> and like they run up to the school and uh you, Ra- Rachel's shown kind of moving yeah. on the ground. Uh, but then, like, you, the next time you see her, she's, like, blowing a fire extinguisher in Michael's yeah. face. And we were watching with Jeremy Jess. Jeremy's like, yeah, get him. Yeah, uh, I was like, yeah. Because it's just... That's the desired response, though. Yeah, that's she's, a badass moment from Rachel. Mm-hmm. And it's just... And then she runs him over when yeah. he's, like, in mm-hmm. pursuit of them. He, like, he throws all the hillbillies out of the truck and, like... <laughs> and, like Breaks one of their necks by digging his hand yeah, into like, yeah, it's, it's, it. It's gruesome. Yeah, they show it on TV. I'm yeah. like, Ah ah. Um, but uh, she she hits him mm-hmm. with her car, and then Jamie goes over because there's that you know connection, and mm-hmm. they they had some underlying element they were trying to get they, through that they have some sort of telekinetic like this transfer. Can, yeah, power. because they're the only two like Myers bloodline that's alive or whatever. And it's old. You know, Jamie get away from her, and then every then they blow him, mm-hmm. to too. And then the end of the movie is supposed to emulate the beginning of the first movie because, yeah. like, you just get this shot, of, POV this, shot. This, of this figure walking up the steps and grabs a pair of scissors from the mm-hmm. bathroom. And then it just starts stabbing Jamie's foster mom. Yeah. And then it's revealed at the end, like, Jamie's at the top of the steps with the clown mask on because he's dressed scissors. as a clown. Yeah. And then a great reaction from Donald Plus No! no! he's about to like shoot her and then sheriff meeker like stops it because he thinks like michael's here yeah and then when he looked the look on sheriff meeker's face is like like, oh my god um, because he like points a gun upwards ready to shoot like michael myers and he's got this look on his face like oh my god yeah and then it just ends on fades out with this jamie with Mm -hmm. bloody scissors um which common misconception she didn't kill her foster mom she did that the fifth movie because of the events of the fourth one put Jamie in a uh, kind of a mental war yeah. of, of a children's time Mustafa Cod's son who went on to do like stuff with Mustafa Cod's company or whatever mm-hmm. was like no we we never intended to uh, have Jamie take on the mantle of like the yeah. killer whereas like the writer of the movie was like no that was my intention yeah I wanted we wanted Jamie to yeah. to sort of carry that bloodline like Michael's dead. And they filmed the scene That they didn't use Until the beginning Of the fifth one Where they dropped dynamite Into the hole That yeah. they killed Mike, That mm-hmm. they shot Michael into yeah. and they're like Michael's dead Like Jamie's gonna take over mm-hmm. But they retconned yeah. that But the a funny story Kind of behind the scenes story um, The testament to How they originally Wanted to keep the spirit But how they ended up Adding like more blood And stuff like mm-hmm. that. Is Mustafa Akkad Hated like blood mm-hmm. And like Uh, just over-the-top violence, but he knew, like, we need to add more, like, violence and stuff like that, because, you know, this isn't the first one anymore, like, I don't think people are gonna want to watch something that's methodical and plotting. Purely suspense. Yeah, exactly, and so, someone who didn't like blood or anything, it got to a point where um, he was so into it, he's like, more blood, more blood, Mm -hmm. you know, so, that's where some of the gruesome stuff comes from. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but it's but, not overly gruesome. No, but then the fifth one establishes, though, through exposition, that she just she put her mom, her foster mom, in the hospital. Yeah. Um, but it's still a crazy ending because yeah. this little girl, mm-hmm. who this whole Sorry time is like this, this quiet, you know, yeah. really kind of introverted, yeah, um, kind of tortured you know, little girl, could do something yeah. so heinous, yeah. like that. But. Four, four is good because it also establishes more that there's this there's a very thin line separating Michael and Loomis. Yeah. The whole t- through all the movies, Loomis, his main focus is get is taking out Michael. Yeah. And and he realizes there's casualties and he wants to keep the casualties to a minimum. Mm-hmm. But he's kind of almost emotionally void. I was gonna a say there's bit. there's very very few moments in the entire series to where he emotionally is like compassionate or is like thinks about another person. Like it gets to the point where his only focus is Michael. Yeah. He wants to rid this world of this evil almost by any means necessary. Uh, like there's a scene in the fifth one to where he uses Jamie as bait. Yeah. Like to bring Michael to Yo-hoo! him. And it's like, here's what you wanted. Yeah. And then he's like beats Michael to death with a pipe or thinks he did. Um, And then six is a... Mess. Yeah. Six is bad. It's the only role I've ever seen Paul Rudd in <laughs> to where I didn't like him. Oh, uh, Romeo plus Juliet. Even then, I was like, it's Paul Rudd. Yeah, that's fair. There he is. And then, he didn't do enough in Romeo and Juliet right. to Romeo for plus Juliet. Oh, sorry. Sorry about Lerman. Baz Lerman's Romeo plus Juliet. Yeah. Um and then H two O kind of like I forgot. like H two. I think I think. Jamie Lee Curtis is really good in H two O. The rest of it's kind of generic. Jess Harnett, Jess Harnett, um, but, Michelle uh, Williams from Dawson's Creek. Yes, um, <laughs> yes. But H uh, two O forgets the events of four, four, five, six. Yeah, um, and then Halloween Resurrection. <laughs> uh yeah. Buster Rhymes does some kung fu on Michael Myers. And, He's like, "Come on, Mikey!" And then he like kicks him into a whole electrical setup, and yeah that one ends with like him on an operating table and then opens his, his eyes, eyes open up. and then nothing comes of that and then the rob zombie remakes and then the one that i haven't I, seen the 2018 one. i'm really ashamed i haven't seen it cuz i cuz it's supposed to forget everything except one yeah which is cool and at this point lori looks like she's just had enough she's like just a grizzled victim mm-hmm. and like mom and grandma and but also like she's like Rambo. She has like yeah. her, she has like this compound or her house is like yeah. all like rigged up with booby traps and stuff mm-hmm. or like stuff to like train like tactical yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and some somebody said she like, she almost becomes like the Loomis, like yeah. warning everybody about Michael yeah. and like nobody like wants to believe her mm. or that or that was 40 years that's ago. That's just a movie. That's just an old <laughs> wife's tale. Some meadow moments. Like, that's just a movie. Um, but the... I mean, it's a solid series. The thing is, it, the Halloween series, besides the stuff from the early two thousands, um, actually stays kind of serious as far as the tone goes. That's the thing is, like the sequels and like, uh, Freddy on Elm Street, uh, yes. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street, and, uh, um, uh, Friday the 13th. Friday the thirteenth, Jason the thirteenth, mm-hmm. is that. The originals have a more serious tone yeah. and rely on like terrifying elements. And then the sequels, aside from you know a, a couple here and there, the sequels are more so like we know what we are, mm-hmm. we know you know, here's a small bit of story, but here's a lot of like excess violence TNA, and nudity, yeah. TNA, because that's what you want to see. Yeah. And the characters are like caricatures and it's just silly. And over the there's top. there's very little camp yeah. in Halloween, the only campy part. For some strange reason in the fifth one there are these two bumbling cops oh, yeah. who have like part of the scores, like these these like squeak toy noises. Be, be, you may be, as well be playing be, be, man, Um I don't know why they did that. Um yeah. The fifth one, I still like the fifth one, but it's not as good as the yeah, fourth one. Because it more, definitely was rushed. It's fifth one is purely memories mm. of like ooh, Part-time job, still living at home, really soaking in yeah. like, you know, the Halloween atmosphere, and just sitting in the basement mm-hmm. after getting off like a four-hour shift of nothing. Life and was so hard. Was like, oh, I don't, you know, oh man, I only have like two classes tomorrow at college, and I get to go home, and the rest of the day is whatever. You yeah. Know? Um. But yeah, the fifth one holds a special spot just because that's some that's one that we. Yeah. But one four and H two O of that original series, are really the ones. You know, if you want to throw two in there, are really yeah. as far as Michael Myers stuff, are really the best ones. Yeah, uh, and then the Rob Zombie remakes, which I meh, it had they have their fans. I thing. will give the sequel credit, and and it follows Lori Strode as she has monster PTSD. Yeah, it and tells a different story. It's something that people don't really address a lot is people who go through this trauma, at least in like action movies or whatever. Yeah. It seems like everyone's fine now. "Ah, What a crazy adventure, you know. But it really addresses her PTSD like from the first one. She's just really jaded and apathetic. And there's like nobody likable in the movie. Yeah. Um and then there's like this weird otherworldly element to it. Yeah. I think just for I gotta have I gotta have my wife in it. Yeah. Exactly. She put he puts his wife in all of his movies. She's more human than human. All his movies. Whatever. Yeah. Um but Not really a fan of those ones, but we talked about the ones that we liked the best. One and four, double feature, week five, five weeks of Friday release. Yep. That is... Just a recap. Just (laughs) just in case. Count Yuli and Count Count Boris is back. Yeah. So, that's about it on -hmm. those two. Um this year's five weeks of fright we had a good time with what we did yeah for sure go check out you know if you're if if you're down with listening to stuff halloween stuff out of season yeah go check out our first four episodes mm-hmm. uh we had a good time on those first um, four weeks of five weeks of fright yes right. the first yeah. four weeks of five weeks of fright yes um going into november um we're gonna be looking to set up uh batman forever episode yeah uh dutch And then uh, hopefully we'll use that time to also kind of round out our 90s retrospective. Yeah. And then we're uh, getting stuff in the works for the Christmas Christmas season, the holiday season. Got some some other characters you may remember that may come back and put us in the Christmas spirit. Uh Uh-huh. But until then, thank you for listening. And until next time, be good to yourselves, be good to each other, because why would you want to be rude when you could be rad? We'll see you next time.